0: Our guest today, David Wallace, holds advanced degrees in psychology and theology and is a retired educator and author of the book, The Journey of Our Souls. As well, he is a Hawaiian cultural practitioner, Reiki master, remote viewer, clairvoyant and spiritual coach, among other skills that he has. As an ordained minister, he accepted the role of kahu caretaker to teach and help others to heal. David is currently focused on expanding his gift of clairvoyance through remote viewing and associative remote viewing. He has combined Reiki and remote viewing to create a method of medical intuition. David has experienced a mix of four distressing and illuminating NDEs in his life, which he will tell us about today. David was born and raised on the island of Molokai, Hawaii, a community established for Native Hawaiians, and believes many of his gifts and abilities can be traced to his parents' genealogical lines. Today, David lives with his wife, Ellie, in central Oahu. David, welcome to NDE Radio. Aloha. <laughs> Aloha. I should have said that myself. Uh, let's see. I, I was wondering, since you're f- so familiar with uh, Hawaiian culture, perhaps you could we could begin by your telling us something about uh, the pre-Christian religion of the Hawaiian ancestors
1: yeah um, the religion or uh, I prefer calling it uh, spiritual practices because um, what one person uh, worshipped and who they the gods that were important to them had a lot to do with what they did for a living. Mm-hmm. And so for, for example, if I was a fisherman, I would be very uh, focused on, Uh, praying to the gods that made me a better fisherman, okay? And uh, it would be a waste of my time to um, try and uh, worship gods, you know, that uh, the tarot farmers would be worshiping because I would have nothing to do with (laughs) tarot, you know? So um, it was very individualized in the spiritual practices, and um, even fishermen that, Uh, fished and went in the same ocean and area, they would have different gods based on their family lines. Mm. So uh, it was a very complicated but very individualized, uh, you know, spiritual practice. So for Hawaiian practitioners, that's why there's so many different Hawaiian practitioners and we do things differently. It's because of our Uh, belief systems and we accept differences between each other yeah
0: Hmm. above all the uh various gods of of fishing and farming and so forth was there a a a superior god or a a god that unified them all
1: actually um when the christians came in and stuff they 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 asked the same question and um, it was interesting that the the gods that were important were important to the chiefs. And uh, the most important one for the chiefs was Ku. And uh, Ku is the god of war, the snatcher of land. But Ku is also a uh, god associated with fishing and healing. So um, Ku would be one of the uh, paramount gods along with Kane, which is the god of life. And Lono was seen as uh, the god of agriculture. So those are the three main gods. In fact, um, in the lunar calendar, um, you would have Kukane, Lono, and Kanaloa, which is the god of the oceans. Uh, They they are part of our lunar cycles.
0: Yes. (laughs) Well, the ocean plays a big part in uh, Hawaii's surroundings, for sure. that's our freeways (laughs) (laughs) yes so david when you were five you had your first nde and uh it happened i guess when your brother bill and you were wrestling in the back seat of the car and the car opened and you fell out of the moving car and landed on the asphalt tell us about that and and what you saw
1: yeah well on my way out of the door (laughs) falling um (laughs) i recall kind of like um I had this urge to kind of like avoid from falling. I know it's was going to hit. And so I felt myself pulling up back, trying to get myself back into the car. And I think it's that uh, motion that drew my spirit out because um, from that point on, I didn't feel any pain. I didn't even feel myself hitting the ground. And <clears throat> the next thing I knew, I was floating above the road and looking down and seeing this poor kid on, a, <laughs> on the ground. I didn't recognize, I didn't know it was me. I just thought it was, you know, a poor person and was injured. I saw blood. Then I saw my brother, the car had stopped and my brother came running out and he was trying to wake me up and he was crying uh, and he was out of it. And my aunt was driving the car. She came out and she, they were panicking. Fortunately, there was another car behind us. and. Um, I think they're the ones that uh, decided to uh, go to our home, and we were, we were really close to where he lived, and uh, that's where they got hold of my parents. And, um but while I was out uh, of my body, and I started looking around, uh, I saw I recognized where I was, but. The colors of everything around me, the grass, the trees, the valley, sky, everything was real different, was really bright, and the colors were so rich. What made me scared is that I saw shadows that appeared to be like human, human shadow outlines, and they were coming towards me, and I got scared, and when I got scared, that's when I um, I felt a person kind of like reached behind from behind me and pulled me in and when I looked back um, there was this huge man <laughs> and a Hawaiian man and he kind of like looked at me and it was really weird because that was the first time I'd seen him but I wasn't afraid he felt like somebody that was good and he whisked me away so that was my first encounter with uh, one of my ancestors coming to protect me yes
0: and did you go through a tunnel actually um
1: we went through a lot of things
0: (laughs) oh tell us what you what you saw
1: uh well when we were flying um we're airborne and we're kind of like shooting through through space and um at first i didn't it didn't look like a tunnel was just like zipping through uh, place. In fact, the closest thing that comes uh, to that is uh, when I was watching Star Wars mm. and um, when they hit or um, even Star Trek, when they hit the warp button and everything <laughs> 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 the lights just coming back. Yes. and That's the closest thing that uh, resembled what I was going through, but it was more like sparks flying on and, um, and blurbs of lights just zipping by and uh, I could feel movement. In fact, I could feel something like a force coming against me. And I know we were hitting really quick somewhere. And I didn't get the sense of entering a tunnel until uh, we came to this, uh, kind of like, it, it looked like a um, solid piece of land. And there was a hole in the ground. Hmm. And there was light showing up from there. And that's where we came, we entered, and went down. And uh, we descended into, uh, until we reached the bottom. And at the bottom was a small room. And the room was really small. It reminded me of um, being in a, you know, one of those um, um, places where you used to drop off a film. (laughs) a <laughs> <His> small little <laughs> box and stuff you know you
2: uh-huh.
1: uh, drive up film and you put it it reminded me of a small room like that or a guard shack
0: yeah
2: uh,
1: just enough for about uh two maybe four people yeah and,
0: and you said it where was, he ended up you said it was octagon shaped had it, had yeah it, it was
1: shaped? it was shaped like a slop sign and on each side of the uh of this octagon was a window and a door so Anytime I wanted to leave, I could. Just I just needed to open the door and
0: go. Yeah, and uh, at one point you tried to do that, I guess, but uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But fortunately, your your Hawaiian man said no. Yeah. Don't don't do that. Well, uh, tell us. uh, Describe this little octagon room. I think you said it was maybe twelve feet across, approximately.
1: Yeah. um, You know, again and so far. I went there twice. Uh, The second time was a little bit better. The first time, I had a hard time remembering exactly, but it felt real small and cramped. I think my bedroom at home was bigger, you know? But um, it felt like I was trapped. And so the floor felt like cement. It was cold to my touch. Um, The walls, um, in in a way, kind of like remind me of... Part of it was either stone or brick was solid. And in the windows, you had glass and the doors were metal. It felt metal because when I kind of like touched it, it was kind of like cold. But the windows, um, you could see outside. And when when I first got there, there were people, I saw people kind of like coming up to the outside of the windows and they're calling my name. And they kept on calling me and trying to encourage me to step out. And so that's and when I looked at them, some of them looked like my family members. They look familiar. And so they're enticing me, tried to open a door. And so I went to the door, and as soon as I touched the door, <laughs> my ancestors came from behind and pulled me away. And says, No, don't, you don't want to go out there. And I kept on asking why. He says, Well, you look real good, you know who are they? And I said, well, they look like my my Ohana, my family. And I go, take a better look, because who's missing out there? And I had by that time, I had several of my aunts that I knew that passed away. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of my uncles, they had passed away, and I knew they were out there. They should be out there. They weren't. So Um, Once I figured out that these weren't my ancestors, they weren't friends, that's when they morphed into real ugly beings. (laughs) It scared
0: Mm. me. And so I said, okay, I'll stay here.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's a good decision.
0: (laughs) And I think your your, uh, ancestor guide said, uh, look with uh, your spiritual eyes rather than your physical eyes. That's correct. And uh, what did that feel like? I mean, how did you do that?
1: Actually, I had to really use my imagination. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he was calling on me uh, to use my imagination. And so um, the Hawaiian saying and stuff is that your eyes can deceive you. Yeah? Yes. And uh, in fact, there's a tattoo uh, that one of my cousins wear. He blacks out uh, a portion of his eye. And there's a black patch over there. So it's kind of like blinding your eye. And so um so the only way you can really see things in truth is by losing your sight. <laughs> you know, you don't oh. use your eyesight for important things. You need to use your inner, uh, your inner or now um, your intuition. And so oh. that's what the encouragement was. My spiritual eyes were intuition. Interesting,
0: and then I guess you asked your guide, "Am I dead?" And yeah. he, he said, "Somewhere in between." <laughs> yeah, he
1: says, "Not really. This is more like a um, a holding place, you know, a, uh, a safe place." Actually, yeah, this was a safe place for me to be, and I, I think um, the event was kind of like traumatizing. Hmm. So uh, for me, I was panicking and. That's that's what I noticed. Um, something very similar between a couple of my um, NDEs when when I was afraid, when I was scared, that's when they my ancestors would appear.
0: Do you when you think about it? Do you remember? Do you think you're remembering this uh, room as a five year old would see it, or as a mature soul in a five year old body would see it?
1: Actually, um, in my last NDE. I went back to the same place. Yes. So um, I think a lot of the memories that I had from my most recent and the first one gets intermingled.
0: I see. And mixed
1: up. Of of course. And so that's why sometimes I'll describe something. And I think I was five years old when this happened, but Mm -hmm. it actually happened in my last one. So um, because I went back to the same place, met with the same people the only exception there is that on the last one i had more than one person in in the room with me
0: and when you recognize those faces that was they were tricking you those weren't actually ancestors of yours they were demons or some evil spirits that were just trying to look like relatives
1: yeah they were trying to pull me off from In Hawaii, we have a term for this uh, this, uh, lapu-lapu-kolohe or or, uh, mischievous spirits (laughs) that Mm. are roaming around. And uh, they're still stuck at this plane and they're roaming around and they haven't uh, made the transition to the next world. So um,
0: they want company. And also, you said uh, in your book that you had a conversation with, um, with uh, uh, his name was Kapuna, or that means ancestor, I guess. Ancestry, that's yeah. correct. Yeah. Uh, about your name, your, yes. uh, your Hawaiian name. Tell us, I'll let you pronounce it, <laughs> and, and tell, us, <laughs> tell us what you understood it to mean.
1: Yes, uh, my Hawaiian name is Imai Kalani, and it was given to me by my paternal grandmother, uh, Ellen, and um, what I was told is uh, she cut the name from a dream. And uh, Hawaiians, including me, uh, right now I'm, a, I'm the family patriarch. Yeah. And when people come and ask us for, uh, for names, uh, we say, okay, we'll think about it. And we wait for a dream to come. And uh, the name that comes out will be a result of a dream so my grandmother dreamed of a person that was um here on earth but was talking to the gods mm-hmm. and so um having a conversation with the gods and the spirits going back and forth so imaikalani um literally means uh i come from heaven and uh that's one meaning however the name uh Hawaiians have kaunas or uh, multiple meanings to a name. And that's what uh, my kupuna was trying to explain to me. He says, don't just take the
2: little
1: uh, meaning of your name because as you grow older, the the meaning of your name will change as you accept uh, responsibility and it grows on you. So um, he said, Right now, it means I come from heaven, but it's going to be changing. And uh, it describes a person that communicates with the gods.
0: And then you were, after that, back in your body. Do you remember anything about that return to your body?
1: Yeah. um, You know, I was talking with Kupuna, and uh, I felt really tired. And so when I got tired and exhausted, because I was fighting with him for a bit, too, (laughs) I wanted to get out. And uh, get out of the room because I felt I don't like uh, confined spaces, and so at the time I didn't like confined spaces, and so I was trying to get out, and I felt trapped, and so uh, in a way I was kind of like fighting them both times, <laughs> and but I got exhausted, and I decided, uh, you know, I, I give up, and know, I surrender myself, and I, I went to sleep, and. Right when I fell asleep, there I woke up in my body. Hmm.
0: And then, when you were back in the hospital, at one point you said you either saw or dreamed the ceiling ceiling opened, and and people dressed in white who were angels came down to help heal the children in the hospital.
1: Yeah, that's correct. Oh, in t- fact, that was us, my first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tell was us about
0: my first that. <laughs> that's that's such an amazing picture in my mind. I, I I'd love to have you describe it. Yeah, well, let me describe the room first. The room in the
1: old days, I guess they used to put all of the kids together in the same room. And it was a huge room, and uh, there there's multiple beds. And on the time that I got injured, there was uh, a flu um, epi- epidemic on the island. A lot of kids are getting flus. So part of the room was reserved for people that had uh, the flu, and the other part of the room was reserved for people like me, who are injured but not sick. So um, when I got in there, there was not only me but several other kids in the room. And uh, I I recall there was this one person, it was uh, one kid that was uh, so sick, they had a tent over him. And they were pumping in oxygen and keeping him isolated because they were really worried. Anyway, my first night inside the hospital after I woke up and I found bandages and everything, and um, I think the the nurses didn't want me to sleep. (laughs) They kept me up. Hmm. Um, I guess uh, they knew something about concussion protocols. (laughs) (laughs) But um, they kept me up, and um, so I was up most of the night, and I sleep. Once around, but they come in and wake me up to make sure it was okay. And early in the morning, uh, I'm staring at the ceiling, and ceiling begins to wobble, kind of like wobble. I'm looking at it; it was strange, and I thought it was um, earthquake or something. So I feel my bed; nothing shaking. I look around; nothing shaking. Just the ceiling is kind of waving. And then um, there's apart in the ceiling and the ceiling just breaks apart and disappears and I'm sitting and I'm looking I'm I'm lying down and I'm looking into uh, the sky and I see
2: stars
1: (laughs) and a big bright light uh, came and came over the room and from this light you had these uh, people coming in into uh, into the room and they were dressed in white and at as I looked at them, uh, they, they were luminous, you know, they were, sharp, they were shiny, they were filled with energy, look looked like, and I wasn't afraid, um, just like I felt kind of peaceful. It was shocking at first, yeah, but as they started to come into the room, uh, and I started seeing them, they started walking around and uh, putting their hands on on the kids, and the sickest one, the one with uh, that had the tent. Uh, most of the angels were gathered around there, and I could feel warmth. I could feel uh, the temperature in the room. All of a sudden, I went. Pew! It was almost like I was in a sauna, actually, mm-hmm. and really warm. And after they got through with that kid, they came around and visit uh, visited all of us, and um, you know, some of them came by me. And I could look at them right in their face. And they smiled. And just kind of like brush my hair, touched me. And I had this feeling like, don't worry, you'll be okay.
0: You know?
1: And it was very comforting.
0: One of the gifts, I guess, you got from this first NDE was the ability to see spirits. Mm-hmm. And you differentiate in the book between ghosts and night marchers. Tell us about that.
1: <laughs> well... Night marchers are ghosts.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, they're they're ghosts of uh, people that live. but night marchers um, have an established route. Okay, they they're walking on old trails, and um, during Hawaiians, uh, you know, we like to move like well, ancient Hawaiians. Uh, they like to do their activities when things are cool. And so most of the work that uh, the farmers would do, it was done late at night. In the movement, they were active during the night. They walk on trails. In fact, um, here on Oahu, they discovered several of the ancient trails still you know, still there in uh, Kalailoa area. And on these trails, you have these paths that are marked. And these guys are really smart because uh, if you're walking in the dark, you need something on the side of the trail to let you know where you're at. So how they do that? At white pieces of coral and they line it on a side of the trail. Mm-hmm. So if you're carrying a torch at night and uh, no matter what condition you have, uh, raining, whatever, all you need to do is look to the right or the left and you can see the line of coral and you stay in the middle. And you'll find you on the trail. <laughs> so yeah, they like to move during the night, and because of that, um, you know, habits. So people going from one place to the other, like uh, if we have fishermen or people that want to go down to the ocean, uh, they march on a trail. Um, the kings and the chiefs, um, when they moving from place to place, they have their trail. So uh, when they die, and uh, they continue the same patterns.
0: <laughs> so ghosts can be uh, addicted to habits or habitual yep. paths. It's
1: very habitual. Uh, you can count on it
0: uh, happening. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So you could go, conceivably, you could go to a place that you, you, you'd you be sure to see a ghost if you had that ability, because they'd be coming through every night on yeah, their way my, somewhere.
1: Yeah, my friend, uh, you know, Lopaka, who runs the Ministry of Hawaii, uh, Mysteries uh, of Honolulu, actually, uh, goes to this. Uh, he mentioned that uh, the night marches appear on the nights uh, named after the gods. So you have Kukane, ku, uh, Kulua, Polu, Kupau. So there's four nights of Ku. And then you have Lono, then Kane, and Kanawa. So uh, on those nights, uh, you know, the spirits can walk. Uh, what most people um, talk about, the most dangerous type of night marchers, normally um, happen
0: on uh, Kane, the nights uh, of Kane. <laughs> <laughs> You begin your chapter on your second NDE with a just a lovely quote that I hadn't heard before from Henry David Thoreau: "There is only one path to heaven on earth; we call it love." I, I think that's terrific.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, tell I us about
0: tell us about your second NDE where uh, your friend Bruce pulls on your toes. Yeah, I chose that because um, you
1: know this. Uh, this man Bruce. Um, he was a teacher, and he was a really good friend. And um, I helped him and really high esteem. And uh, so he was a teacher in Molokai, and um, he, I, I just loved that man. And uh, he passed away while he was playing volleyball. He had a stroke, and um, but just before that, we went hunting, uh, with him, and he shot a boar, and um. But a couple of weeks after that is when he passed away and I, I felt really bad and he left uh, a wife and four children behind. Mm. So <clears throat> on that NDE, I returned from uh, Chicago uh 1978, I believe. Um I returned from Chicago um uh, in the dead of winter I had double pneumonia mm. uh, and I was really sick and so um I was sick for a while and this particular night I told my wife at the time I says you know I I, f- I think I'm gonna die <laughs> and she looked at me crazy you're not gonna die I says no I feel like I'm gonna die so I went to bed kissed kiss her and went to bed and I was ready to give up the ghost basically and um In Polynesia, we have this custom, (laughs) if you you want to play a trick on a person or have a spirit talk through a person, while that person is sleeping, you get down and you pull his big (laughs) toe. It's just like waking up the spirit, pull the big toe. And when you do that and a person is sleeping and if he's sensitive, the spirit will wake up (laughs) and you can ask the spirit anything you want and that's um you know looking into the future asking for secrets and things like that wow and so uh i was i was fast asleep and all of a sudden i felt somebody pull on my toe and my spirit woke up and when i woke up in my bed i and i go who did that you know <laughs> and looking at my friend uh my friend bruce he's standing at the end end of the bed. Oh, Bruce, we run and hug each other. And uh, then I realized, Bruce, you're dead. <laughs> 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 and so I push away. And, and he's trying to sh- uh, hold me in a certain way where my back is facing uh, facing the bed. And they didn't want me to turn around. And I says, Bruce, you're dead. Does this mean I'm dead? And he goes, no, 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 no. And I turn around. And I see myself in a bed sleeping. And I start crying. <laughs> I, I'm dead. <laughs> he came to take me. And he's laughing. And, you know, he's chuckling. And he says, no, David, I just came here to show you something. <laughs> and so uh, we walk on the side of the bed. And he opens my closet. And he sticks his hand in a in the in the closet and separate the clothes. And when he separates the clothes, there's a hole in a closet in a back of the wall. And I'm looking in, and as I'm looking in, I can see way at the other end of this hole, a a light. And I look at um, my friend and says, you know, what is this space?" And he says, well, come. You want to check it out? (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, not really, but if you came to show me this, okay, I'll take him so I trusted him. And so he led the way, and I walked uh, just a little bit behind him and started walking through uh, this tunnel. And this is a, a real tunnel. And the odd thing about the tunnel is that it had many twists and turns, you know, and it wasn't a straight, uh, straight one. And when I looked up, uh, it looked like I was walking through some kind of um, blood vessel. <laughs> 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 all kinds of strange things up on a on a top, but it looked like more uh, it looked more like a living organism than anything else. And uh, it gave me the impression like I was walking through a blood vessel or of some sort. Wow. And there was uh, as we walked further. The light in the tunnel got brighter and brighter and came to a point where our clothes changed. And what we were wearing was something white that looked like was feathers. And I said, oh, no. You know, I, I remember talking to my wife when friends, uh, when I was saying this, I looked at them and I started feeling myself. It was nice and soft and filled with energy. But um, I had a concern that I didn't write in a book, but I said, oh, am I turning into a chicken or something? <laughs> 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 Is this the next evolution?
2: <laughs> next step in
1: evolution, I come back as a chicken?
2: <laughs> a
1: bird, you know? But that's what it felt like it was feathery and really nice and soft. You know? And uh, when he finally reached the end of, um, end of the tunnel, Uh, There's this membrane. And, uh, you know, I I grew up on a farm. And uh, this membrane looked like uh, an umbilical sac. uh, It looked like plastic in a way, but it it wasn't clear. Um, It was kind of murky, but you could still see through. Mm -hmm. And on the other end, I saw a place that was um, just beautiful. Um, there's trees, grass, I mean, bright colors. It almost reminded me of the scenery that I saw in my first NDE. The colors are so vibrant. And um, there's a big tree um, and a pathway and uh, grass, flowers, and all kinds of stuff. And the first thing I see after that is uh, some people walking over the crest of the hill and coming towards me. And as they approach, I started recognizing right at the front, um, you know, I started recognizing uh, my grandfather. My grandfather passed away when I was 10 years old. And uh, he was coming in, you know, with the group and all of these uh, people that I recognized. I knew who they were. I could call them by name if I wanted to. So this big group coming over. And I realized those were my family members. They're my real family members, and the most exciting part is that I heard barking,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I look and uh, in the same from the same direction. Um, you know, my family members came. I had all my pets, my dogs, oh. uh, you know, guinea pigs, uh, pigeons, all my pets. <laughs> they came running up. Uh, Past my ancestors, <laughs> and they came right up to the membrane. And they're jumping, the dogs are jumping up on a membrane, trying to look at me. And I'm over there looking at them, and I name them all. I know each one of them, I knew all of them. And I'm crying like a baby because I miss yeah. them more than my family members.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I'm just, you know, overwhelmed with uh, this feeling like. Wow, you know, long time. I'm so happy to see you folks. You know, and I, I want to reach down and embrace them. So um, I'm looking at them and uh, my ancestors, a lot of my ancestors are saying, come, come, come. And they encourage me to step through. And I look at Bruce and he's not saying anything to me. I have to make the decision. So I take one step through the, the membrane. And I look uh, in the group towards my ancestors. Everybody is saying, Come, come, come. But my paternal grandfather is over there. He's looking at me and giving me a stern look. And I go, No. And I looked at him. And again, that's left I still try to move. And I feel the hand on my chest and it pulls me back. as my friend, Bruce. And stuff. And I so I stepped back from the uh, from that memory. And I look at Bruce. And I said, No, I cannot, I cannot go. And right around that same time, I heard the voice of my daughter. Daddy, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and combine all of that together, my grandfather saying you no, know, Bruce reaching in, and finally hearing my grand uh, my my daughter's voice uh say, Daddy, yeah, you know, calling me. I I couldn't go at that time. It wasn't the right time. And it was the most difficult decision that I ever made. Um but after I stepped away and I said no, my friend Bruce helped me and he whispered in my ear, he says, you know, I wish I had made the same decision. So um, because he left four kids behind mm. yeah and uh so the next thing I know I popped up in bed <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: popped up in bed, and um my fever broke, my bed was just soaking wet, so my fever broke and um uh, I recovered less than two days after that, and I was back at work. Wow. Wow. <laughs>
0: Did your daughter Gigi uh, remember any of this? I mean, did she remember? I told her about the
1: story. I told her about the story. And, um, you know, again, um, when you go through things like this, uh, sometimes your memory plays tricks on you.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Like, um, but I was at the same, I was at, you know, I was 25 years old at that time so my memory was far better and uh so i knew it was my daughter um and so when i told her about that i said you saved my life <laughs> thank you <laughs>
0: <laughs> now your third nde you were very sick i guess avian yeah. flu meningitis kidney failure i mean everything was happening yes. This one is like something out of uh, Dickens' A Christmas Carol. <laughs> this is this is quite a scene. Um, tell us about this one.
1: Yeah. Well, my occupation as a teacher has many hazards. <laughs> <laughs> um, and one of the hazards is that um, our students here in Hawaii, um, during vacation, they like to go visit um, you know their families in uh, foreign countries, and in the community that I have uh, that I was teaching, there was a lot of Filipinos. So um, we, on Christmas vacation or any other vacations, um, holidays, a lot of them would leave the islands, go back to the Philippines, and when they come back, um, you know the types of um, you know diseases actually they come home with. The illnesses that they come home with. Yeah. Um, some of them are devastating. So, um, we did have a couple of kids that went on vacation into the Philippines. And when they came back, uh, they brought avian flu.
2: Mm.
1: And so that's how, and I had three of them that came back and was in my class, and they were sick. And I knew they were sick, and I sent them to the health room. But by then, I, saw, I probably picked up the bug. So I I came down with that. And so um, I also have uh, type 1 diabetes. Hmm. So anytime uh, I'm ill, my blood sugars can go crazy. Yes. And so uh, that's the case that it was. So um, I had avian flu. Um, And my blood went septic. My uh, blood sugars were so high, it wasn't even registering on the monitor. (laughs) I thought my monitor was broken. And my fever, my fever was getting uh, insanely high and uh, dehydration. And so I was home from work for about three days. And I was trying to self-care and self-medicate. And finally, when I decided to go to doctors, uh, I walked to the front door and i passed out and i fell through um a series of uh, jealousies by our front door and mm-hmm. uh, right when i did that lucky there was a custodian outside cleaning up the pond and he called the ambulance for me and when i went to the hospital uh, and the doctor started taking blood work um and doctor came in and i i'm in the er um Trying to wait and you know, find out what's happening, and uh, all these people running around. Finally, the doctor says, uh, "You know, what? if you if you had delayed coming into the hospital for about 20 minutes, could not guarantee your life." Yeah. It says even right now, uh, the odds are stacked against you. So he asked me permission uh, to you know, do whatever they could. So I said, sure. And they put me in the ER room, um ICU. And uh, I had so many tubes running in and out of me that it was crazy. Uh you know what a papaya tree looked like? Mm. Yeah with uh, you have this uh, tall tree and then papayas all you know yep. stacked on you well know? uh, that's how my IV bags were. (laughs) It looked like a papaya tree. So many IVs going in with different things. It looked like a big papaya tree. (laughs) And um, that night, my first night there is when I had that um, NDE. Yeah. (laughs) Well, tell us what you saw. Yeah. Well, in the dream, I found myself in a cemetery. And I was trying to escape from the cemetery, looking for a way out. And it was surrounded by these uh, tall gates and I couldn't climb over it and uh, so I started running around and I what am I doing here and in my blind panic I fall in a hole <laughs> and I'm sitting I'm sitting at the bottom of a hole and I look up and there's a headstone. There's my name written on a headstone. And I start crying. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I fell in my own grave. <laughs> and so I claw my way out of the grave and I come up and I'm looking at and I'm feeling sorry for myself. And, um, from somewhere, you know, I felt the presence of someone near me. And when I turn and look, and there was this man, It's this huge, uh, tall man uh, dressed in Real formal wear. In fact, um, in some cases, it looked like um, he was wearing a suit, but it was more like a tuxedo. And had a top hat and a cane. And real classy. Very, very handsome. Very good-looking man. And he, he calls me by my name. And, and I asked, well, who are you? He says, well, I'm death, and I'm here for you. <laughs> wow. Good news, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I look at him I go, No, you know, and I stand up and I start running, running for my life. Hmm. And uh, he stands there and I just like call me. And as I'm running away and I looking over my shoulder, I see four dogs, you know, black creatures coming up from behind me and I said, I gotta find a place where I can You know, either run away or stand and fight. So I ran and I saw a tree, a huge tree. And I figured if I put my back against the tree, I could fight the dogs coming in from one, you know, from one direction. So I reached the tree. Right before I reached the tree, a dog uh, grabs my foot and I fall on the ground. And I get up and the dogs are biting at me. So I stand up and I back up against the tree and I try to kick and fight. And I felt really scared. I could feel my heart beating. Then something really strange came over me. Um, instead of fear, anger. <laughs> <laughs> it was replaced by anger. <laughs> and, and just like, Are you guys not gonna do this to me. And I got mad and the This rage inside me just built up. And when this rage took hold of me, my physical uh, body began to change. I looked at my hands. My hands had claws, (laughs) sharp claws. And my hands were muscular and started to uh, stretch out and build up. And I was covered with black hair. (laughs) And I started morphing and I felt myself growing, growing, growing to the point where I was so huge, the dogs looked like little rodents. (laughs) So uh, one of the dogs uh, jumped up and tried to attack me and stuff. I caught him in the air with uh, with one of my hands. I caught him and I bit off the head and spit it like a grapeseed towards the man that was watching, towards death. And I chomped down the other dog. I smashed him with my foot. <laughs> and uh, this other one came again and stuff. I just smacked it. And the third one, saw that I was doing to his friends, decided to turn tail and run away. And when I'm done, I'm standing in there, just fully morphed into a werewolf. <laughs> mm. And I'm standing over there, and I'm just foaming and filled with, filled with rage. And I looked at death, and I says, "Come on, why are cool. You know, I was ready to fight him to the death. You know, mm. and he just sat back there and started clapping again. <laughs> yeah. And I looked at him. I says, "Congratulations, you know, congratulations. Look like you have something to, you know, fight for, something to live for." Mm. And I, yeah.
0: And uh, so he let me go basically. Uh, <laughs> so interesting. Now do you think that was more a dream than an experience or was it uh, um, was it a metaphorical, I mean, is it the way your your brain interpreted something else? because it's so unusual? Yeah. Except, except for a horror <laughs> film, of course. It's a very, it's a very unusual experience uh, in near death studies, for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I, <clears throat> I, th- I, think about it often, and uh, actually NDEs uh, so far are all uh, happening right here, yeah, <laughs> in,
2: exactly.
1: in your mind. And so uh, for me, it, uh, it was a moment of reflection like, what am I gonna do with my life? <clears throat> and if anything, all of the NDEs that I had and stuff, um, that's a core question. What am I gonna do with my life from this point on? Mm. And so that's why I, um, whether it's a dream or an actual near death experience, I counted as a near death experience because it had the same effect as me on me. As the others, it was a life turning event, and it had happened right at a critical point in my life where, um, you know, I was suicidal. I didn't care if I lived or died. And um, but uh, actually, um, the dream made me really dig deep inside me to find something to live for, and I did. I did have something to live for because I had just met my current (laughs)
2: wife, yeah (laughs) Yeah.
1: and I just had met her and um you know without this woman in my life I would not be the person that I am today so it was a life-changing event for me and it happened at the right time
0: it's it's an amazing uh uh experience to go through yes yes we have time for one more NDE, and you just happen to have one. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, this was congestive heart failure and three heart attacks, basically. Yes, uh, because I'm
1: uh, because I have diabetes. Uh, when I have heart attack so and stuff, I thought I was just having a sugar low,
2: <laughs> <laughs> so
1: I popped some candy, and you know, I was fine after that. And uh, finally, I was struggling work, walking, and I could only walk for so long. And my wife was really concerned, and so she took in, Uh She encouraged me to go to the doctor, and I listened to her. And when we went in and did uh, the checkup and so far, uh, there was a blockage uh, in, in my heart. And uh, so I had to go in and uh, do a triple bypass. And when I was a senior in high school, um, I had rheumatic fever, which uh, messed up one of my uh, my mitral valves, and that valve needed to be replaced. And so um, when I had the heart attack and the bypass surgery, uh, that's when they decided to stop my heart. Mm-hmm. So when they stopped my heart, basically, you're dead. Yet. Yes. Yeah. So uh when they stopped my heart, my spirit left. <laughs> uh, my spirit left. And I think um it left at a time when they were finished with the operation. The um the operation was supposed to take uh three uh, three and a half hours. Seven and a half hours later, <laughs> they're done. Wow. But um, it had a lot of complications, but In my near-death experience during that time, I caught them while they were trying to revive me. And uh, the surgery took a long time because they had a hard time reviving me. Hmm. Um, I I had um, bruises, uh, round bruises uh, all along my chest, all along the side of my, uh, my chest, my rib cage, in my back <laughs> was just covered with all of these things. So it looked like they were trying to shock me and I wasn't responding. And during this time is when I had my NDE, I actually left my body and I was floating above my body looking at um, this poor guy was uh, being treated by doctors and doctors are panicking. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, not the doctors, but the nurses were panicking. They were running around getting different things and stuff. And, uh, so, uh, as I l- looked at, it, I said, "Oh, whoever this person is, is bad shape." And when I came and took a look at the face, then I realized it's me. <laughs> it's me again. And uh, that's when I go, "Oh shoot! No, oh, cannot <laughs> be!" You know. And that's when my ancestor came from behind and picked me up and pulled me in. Same ancestor that came for me when I was five years old came and he grabbed me. And we went through the uh, ceiling from the operating room, through the building, and we ended up above the hospital. And I remember looking around and I could recognize where I was, uh, downtown Honolulu. And, uh, and I could see everything around me, and so it was pretty neat. <laughs> then uh, I looked at him, and I said, oh, kufuna. And he smiled, and he whisked me off, and we were back uh, in the same octagon room when I was five years old. And he held me there for a bit.
0: And he had some other tough Hawaiian men there to, to hold you too, didn't he?
1: Yeah, now uh, you know, as a as a adult and much larger, and I was at my prime. <laughs> uh, you know, when I was hungry, and that's that's the thing that kind of like was spurring me. Uh, Why I was fighting them so much? I was hungry and I was thirsty, and spirits outside had food for me. They were offering food, and uh, they were offering food. And they were offering food and drink and stuff. And I wanted to eat. I was hungry. And uh, these uh, coupons of mine, when they came and got me, they weren't kind enough to give me food. (laughs) 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 So I was fighting with them. And finally, you know, exhausted again and stuff. I just surrendered to them. And... uh, you know, same thing. Or uh, as soon as I gave up and gave in to my ancestors and say, "Okay, I'll stay here," the people outside turned mean. They turned ugly, okay. and uh, they kept on beating and trying to get at me. Now it's instead of saying "Come, come," now they're threatening me. Wow. Yeah, gotta get you. Stuff like that. That's scary. And so my kupuna kept me in and. Uh, you know, eventually I fell asleep again, mm-hmm. and when I woke up, I was in recovery. Uh.
0: <laughs> Would you say you know they have uh, good NDEs and bad NDEs? The the one in the octagon room, or both of those in the octagon room, are ultimately good NDEs because you're safe; you're being protected. <laughs> But just the just the awareness that there are evil spirits out there trying to uh, bring you to ruin, uh, yeah, gi- gives you a pause for sure.
1: Yeah, there's a medium that uh, I met with, and um, first time he met me, he questioned me about uh, you know millions of uh, these beings that surround my person uh, wherever I go, and um, I asked them, well, uh, how far are they away from me? He says, well, they're they standing about maybe five, six feet around you. There seems to be this clear area around me where they cannot pass through. And I laughed. I says, yeah, because between me and them stand my ancestors. And they don't want to mess with my ancestors. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: They'll pretend to be your ancestors, but they don't want to mess with the real thing. No,
1: not the real ones.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, David, uh, this has been great. Uh, we're, we're out of time, but I sure th- want to thank you for sharing your story, your amazing story. Well, thank um, you for inviting me. I appreciate it. If uh, listeners would like to learn more about your healing work or get a copy of your book, what's the best way for them to uh, get in touch?
1: Uh, you can get in touch with me. Um, my website is intuitive insights, Uh, if you're on Facebook, you can look me up. I'm Kahu Dave K A H U Dave D A V E that's on Facebook. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. All right. And, um, uh, I, I really recommend your book i found it i found it really fascinating there's a lot of a lot of detail that we weren't able to get to in our conversation today but it it shows a lot about how uh, your experiences have have led you into the healing field in in a wonderful way so if if listeners would like to hear the show again or any of our more than 450 archived ad-free nde interviews Go to TalkZone's NDE Radio site and hit the Pass Shows button. Or go to our YouTube channel, NDE Radio with Lee Whitting, where you can subscribe to and comment on the complete NDE Radio library. And be sure to check out our NDE Radio Facebook page. Just search NDE Radio with Lee Whitting on your Facebook app. And listen again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern at TalkZone for more NDE Radio. I'm your host, Lee Whitting, saying...